Got time for a quick story? When a member of a band wants to release a solo project, you don't always have smooth sailing with the other members of that band. Many times so, but many times there's some tension. Members of the band want the person doing the solo project to focus more on the band's activities or songwriting or, or whatever. We've heard about those sorts of incidents throughout the history of pop and rock music. But as I also said, sometimes it works out fine. And in one high-profile case, two members of a band release solo albums on the same day. That would be the day that I'm doing this episode of Got Time for a Quick Story. And the band members I'm talking about are Steve Lukather and Joseph Williams of the band Toto. Steve Lukather, of course you know from Toto. He's been in Toto ever since Toto began in the 1970s. Joseph Williams was the lead singer back in the 1980s. He's been lead singer again, getting into the 2010s. He's their current lead singer, and both have solo albums coming out today. And, yep, Toto's all good with that. They're promoting the albums on the Toto website, and they're both good albums. I've given them both a listen, and so today, February 26th, 2021, the date of this taping, is release date for both albums, and I'm talking to both Steve Lukather and Joseph Williams in two separate interviews. First interview is with Steve Lukather. This is my second interview with him. I got to interview him in 2019. And so here's an interview about his new 2021 solo album. We're talking to Steve Lukather again. The occasion is the new album, which is out today. I rarely get to talk to an artist on release day for an album, so that's pretty cool, and I get to talk to I two. Know. I know, because I got Joseph later on today as well. Yeah, he was here last night. He's the only human being allowed in my house. <laughs> nice. Well, safety, that, that's a good thing. That, that's awesome. I found the sun again. as the together. You know, we've been testing it together since March last year. So. Right, yeah. Um, I've, I've been listening to both CDs for ah. the past few days. Literally in my car, driving around Eau Claire, Wisconsin, I've listened through the albums two times in the car. Plus oh, a little bit. thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It, it's it's great. I, I really enjoy it. Um, thank you very much, man. I mean, most people don't take the time. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I figured I, w- I want to know what, what the mu- music is like since this is your project. And it, it, well, thank you. I mean, you're a busy guy. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, you're, you're, you're welcome. I'll, first, is was there a particular... I don't want to call it a concept album, but was there like a theme that you had for the songs, either the the covers or the originals that you wanted to put on lyrically oh, or musically? Covers, yeah. Our album covers we did, but we didn't talk about the music, even though we worked on each other's albums. Uh, he had, I knew I wanted to do a record, and he knew he wanted, he was going to do a record at the end of the last version of Toto, which is October 19. And <clears throat> we were going to work together anyway, so I said, well, on the same label, let's, let's, power up and do this together and then david page got involved he said look we paid for the name use the name toto and um so i said well we got three of us and david's really the founder of the band you know him and jeff so and we still talk it usually at six in the morning ironically (laughs) uh he didn't call me today see what happens ah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah man and that's what's going on uh, so we decided to pair up, and then Dave said, "We'll use the name Toto." And then so we decided, well, we want to make a differentiation because there's been a hundred versions of our band already. I'm the guy, the only guy that's been there for all of them. And Joseph's been in a lot of multi-platinum records and been in the band for the last eleven years. So me and him are keeping the legacy alive, along with some couple of holdovers and some really great new rhythm section. 
And uh, they didn't play on the record, ironic. All, some of them did, actually. But anyway, we decided to go out and team up, and the agents and promoters were like, you stay until you got Luke and Williams up front, and a killer band, it'll be great. And we rehearsed up, and we even did a live live stream. That's right. It's going to come out as a DVD in the summer. <clears throat> and it has a whole uh, DVD, half-hour DVD with Paige, me and Joe, and everybody in the band explaining how and why we're doing all this, you know? Nice. We're we'll looking but, forward to uh, that, too. Know, yeah. I mean, if we don't play the music, I mean, there's tribute bands. Why shouldn't I play my own music, you know? If you're alive, you might as well. I mean, there's a, there's bands on the road. There's no original members. <laughs> right, right. Well, and speaking of the... Oh, uh, two of our guys are dead, and one is medically incapable, and one hates the road, and that leaves Joe and me. So we're going out to keep the legacy alive. That's exactly right. Well, and on there are a few songs where I hear... I don't know how one can quantify this, but I'd almost call it like the DNA of Toto comes out oh, in... Oh, no, that's in, absolutely in 100% true, man. Yeah, when you got three of the guys, especially two of the main writers, and you got me singing, and Joseph sings on my record too, so there's a familiar Eddie Page plays his ass off on my record, and then I worked on Joe's record, and I did a sing, sang a duet with him, and I played some guitar mm-hmm. with my dear friend Michael Landau, who's the best, and um, I don't know. So we decided to pair up, and it just made sense. Actually, if you put the two records on shuffle, you might get one. As close to a total record as you possibly get, <laughs> you know, sort of, you know. Yeah, well, like the chorus of Serpent Soul. There's something yeah. between the the harmony between you and Joseph and the keyboard part. Probably everything yeah, combined. I mean, you know, how can you help it, man? You got Paige playing that kind of a part. Paige and Bafco playing that kind of a part. Yeah. Me singing with Joe, and that kind of keyboard lick with the heavier, you know, not heavy guitars, but crunchy guitars underneath. It's going to have that total thing because that's what we did, you know. Your interplay with David Page, you've, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we're going back like decades and decades here, but especially in, I just mentioned Serpent Soul, but in Low Spark of High Heeled Boys. Well, and I, it, Low Spark, that's David Page on the Hammond organ. Right. Which kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and your interplay. And Jeff Babco on piano. Right. I mean, the, the three of you, it, it's incredible, especially how. Hi, man. It's all cut live. Don't I know. We ran the chart once and we cut hit record and that was the take and uh, I minimal if any overdubs I overdubbed the vocals on everything because I just couldn't do it all at the same time okay so uh, otherwise it's live solos everything was there any rehearsing for this How? never rehearsals are no man rehearsals no man that's nice rehearsals for pussies <laughs> <laughs> can I say that on the radio yeah go ahead um, no, it's, it's... Oh, man, that's the way we used to do it, man. When I was a session guy, you show up, and there's the music, let's play. And then I didn't even know what the parts were. I had to create the parts on the spot. It wasn't all written out for me. That's, no. They hired me to make up my parts. They hired me for it. How did you, or, no, just, I rephrase, forget what I just said there. How would you describe that chemistry built up over decades and now with Jeff obviously it's not as long as David but how would you describe that chemistry so you can go in and one take produce something that it sounds to a lay listener like oh you must have done that a ton of times and of course you didn't but how can you describe that well we're all professional musicians that's what you're supposed to do <laughs> yeah you know I mean I was trained for that show up there's the music or there's there's the chart not the music the chart with the chords on it and how to play the song, and then you count the song off, you better play something. That's what a session musician did, and I was really good at that, and that's why I got hired all the time. I mean, there's 100,000 better guitar players, millions of them. <clears throat> but I could 
take a chord. I have an arranger's ear, so I can hear parts around the melody and find a spot, find a little hooky part, and that's what I was really good at. I mean, you know, then I could do stuff quickly and under pressure. And so this this was just, I wanted to see if I still had it in me to do this, live solos and everything, you know, let's really see, are you man enough to do this? No click tracks, no Pro Tools fixes, nothing. It's like we use the Pro Tools as a gigantic tape machine. No fixes, minimal, I might double the guitar part, add an acoustic or something, you know. With one keyboard part and a tambourine, next song. Joseph did some background vocals for me. That was it. So, I mean, I did it in eight days, top to bottom. Hmm. Then we mixed it. Wow. The... I want to see if I still had it in me. I got a big mouth. I want to see if I could back it up. Oh, it sure sounds like it. Uh... <laughs> not too many people that can do it because they, they were not trained to do that. These days, you get a laptop and a pair of tits and you're an instant pop star. The SoundCloud generation is definitely music, different. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I studied arranging uh, harmony, theory, you know, guitar, piano, orchestration. I studied guitar, guitar privately. I took this stuff seriously. And then, you know, we, we came out and had success, and then the punk thing happened. And we were like, the punk thing baffled us because we just like, okay, well, that's the polar opposite of us. Why are you putting up us against them? It's like chocolate and garlic, you know, it doesn't mix. Hmm. It's okay, they're both great on their own, but together, not so much, you know? No, definitely not. <laughs> it's a disgusting combination. So. Well, I'm just saying. But it's true, yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. yeah. How can you compare the two things? They don't exist in the same world. We're like trained musicians, and they're like punks, you know? It's easier to be a 63-year-old trained musician than it is to be a 63-year-old punk, you know what I mean? Yeah. At that point, it's just sad. <laughs> it's like being an old drunk. Right. If you're drunk, I understand. You know what I mean? When you're older, you get When you're 20, it's okay to fall down. When you're 50, it's not so much. <laughs> yeah. Your guitar playing towards the end of Low Spark and also Bridge's Size, like it just goes off into this. I mean, it's man, like. I'm a, just channeling at that point, man. Right. You know, I just, we had the roadmap of where to go as far as the charts go, the music. And uh, I just said, go. I'll point at you. I didn't want it to sound rehearsed. I wanted it to sound like those old 70s, early 70s records, or 69, Jimi Hendrix, you know, where you could feel them in the room. You knew that they didn't really know it that way. You feel there's a little hesitancy sometimes, or it slows down and gets real quiet, and then we find our way again. I mean, this is stuff you can't program, and this is the stuff nobody makes records like that. So I thought, the only thing I could add to the scene now is to do something different, which is to do something old, like me. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds good, and that doesn't matter the age. It sounds. It... I was, I was, I was smiling like a mule eating briars, man. I was going, "Wow, this is how it is, man." And we go back and listen to the playback, and it sounds like a record without a voice. I'm like, "Wow, this is how I might have been working way too hard, man." Yeah. Uh, Stan Lynch is involved with uh, Serpent Song. Yeah, Sutherland. man. Stanley's a dear old friend of mine, man. Shit, what, forty years. Wow. Almost. What did he provide songwriting wise on those two on those two songs? Lyrics. He's a lyric lyric man. Ah. Uh, but we worked together for years, man. We, I always work with Stan, and Stan and Joseph Williams helped me with the lyrics, and Jeff Babco helped me with some of the songs, um, writing wise. You know. Mm-hmm. There's a bite to both of those songs too. He's got a he's got an edge to 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 his take on and on those two songs. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a lot of fun to do, you know? 
And Luke had to run right after that. We were kind of running behind in the overall schedule. He was getting another call in right at that moment and like, okay, cool. I pretty much got all the stuff for a long interview right within 10 minutes. And such is the case with Steve Luke there. He is always a great interview. So now we go on to the next interview of February 26th, 2021 with Joseph Williams of Toto about his solo album. We're talking today also to Joseph Williams. This is the second Toto-related interview of the day. It's something that has well, it's never happened in any of the interviews I've done. We're talking to two members of a band with their two solo albums coming out on the same day. This is, I, as far as I can tell, this is unique, or if it has happened, I'm trying to think of another instance when two members synced up their solo albums like this. Um, you know, I can't think of one myself. I mean, we this this didn't happen as a sort of a, a master plan. Uh, Luke, uh, he, he had a relationship with this record company, and he kind of got me in the door. I made my record entirely on my own. Uh, it, it happened way after the fact. When did you start writing the songs that ended up on this album? Uh, for my record, I kind of I, I, I started a few pieces back as early as 2016, 2017. Uh, there was a, a buddy of mine who was a, my manager back in 1980 who actually uh, co-wrote one of the songs on the first Toto record I did, Fahrenheit, a song called We Can Make It Tonight. A guy named Barry Bregman. Anyway, he started writing some fragments that we started working on and talking kind of vaguely about maybe doing another solo album. He was my manager when I did my first one. And uh, I didn't really, wasn't really uh, thinking about it seriously until 2020, until we got off the road and stopped touring in 2019. And then in 2020, I really started putting those pieces together and then fully composed the rest of the record. And I saw he's co-writer on Never Saw You Coming, which had the, the video that came out a while back that's that's a that's a fun video to watch and see luke coming up as is he the role of death in that video <laughs> that's <right>. exactly <laughs> he he plays the part well <laughs> he, he does just kind of coming up with the two eyes the beady eyes coming up in the in the background it's it's a very music i've been listening to the album a couple times i got the cd advance and i've been driving around eau claire with uh with Luke's album as well, and, and just soaking them all in. There is a lot of musical complexity. There's a lot of depth to this. Um, you were doing a lot of arrangements in terms of drums and synth and piano, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what, can, you, can you theme this in an overall musical direction amongst all these tracks? Because there's a lot of variety that I hear among all 12. Yeah, I mean, are you asking specifically about Never Saw You Coming or, well, or just in general the whole album? Really the whole album, in fact, yeah, because it, it just keeps going in so many directions from that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, the album is really just a kind of a representation of all my influences, you know, kind of growing up and everything. I What, what, I, what I was trying to do was just I wanted to make a long playing album like I used to dig when I was a kid that, you know, you used to open, it was like a double album. You could open it up and you would have things to read and look at while you were listening to it. Or you could put it on in your car and it would keep you occupied for almost an hour while you were driving to Vegas or something. And, you know, I just loved the, like the white album and it had, had lots of different kinds of styles on it. And, 
I, I just loved that kind of stuff when I was growing up, and I wanted to make one like that that I could put on my car and listen to it, and it would, you know, occupy your mind. It just push you through a, a kind of a, a, a full story kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I was going for. So it's, it's, it sort of represents a bunch of my different influences. You know, Beatley, a lot of Beatles stuff. Obviously, Peter Gabriel. Uh, I, I'm influenced by Yes and a lot of Prague stuff. A lot of Stevie Wonder sort of influence vocally. You know, uh, it's all kind of in there. And on that point of having a whole album and, and really immersing in that, did you sequence the songs intentionally in some sort of a thread that way? I sequenced them, you know, it's, it's the sequencing thing these days is completely subjective because the idea is like, you know, once it's out of my hands, it's not mine anymore. So the, and, and, and technology is, is that these days people can sequence it any way they want to and, and they should. So I just sequenced it the way that I thought that it, you know, the song sort of bounced from one to another and felt comfortable to my ear. But that's just me. It's completely subjective. But I, I, for me, I thought that just as a, 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 a if, if, if each, if the songs in order were going to tell a story, to me, it made sense this way. I think, and it, it does come across that way. It does, it does sound good. Denizen Tenet, I am... I I was so uh, just taken in by the the it's almost like a polyrhythmic sort of thing. What's the key signature, by the way, on that song? Well, it's 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 a little bit all over the place. It bounces <laughs> from six eight to four four, and there's a couple of two four bars, and it's it's all over. There's a seven eight seven eight bar in there. It's it's uh, but it's mostly six eight. Okay, I, that's kind of what I thought, but it felt like some are kind of going over the bars, and I'm like, oh my, there's so much happening here, trying to follow. It's it's great. I, I love the arrangement. Where did you come up with the idea to, to do that rhythm with that song? Well, I can't take, like, you know, major credit for that. That's, that's a co-write with a guy named Steve Overton, who's an incredibly talented guy, who's, who's very very funny and very witty very musically witty and funny <laughs> and so you know and, and i love that and it's got he's got a he's got a very sort of prog you know way about his some his music and and we collaborated on that and it's just it's to, to me it's just it's humorous just you know sort of like you know not being able to figure out where one is you know on the on the on the bar I, I just dig it. I don't know. It's like, to me, it was like you know putting together a puzzle, a musical puzzle. Uh, I, I just love that kind of stuff, and, and uh, I can't take full credit for that. The arrangement is mine, but like the the original sort of concept and the and the uh, you know is, is his. But uh, if you listen to his original two minute demo from which I built the song from, you kind of get what I mean. Yeah. What I love the specificity on the dream, and it's some of the first lyrics I've heard. At least my interpretation of it, mentioning like, like it's going to write. I got the lyrics right in front of me here. So who's going to who's going to ride on a rocket to space? We're all discovering something new every day. For all that, I got a phone and a mask on my face, and I heard that and went, wow! I, just, I that's really talking about the now. What prompted you to write those lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I was that song was probably I think the last thing I wrote for the for the record, and like I said, most of the record was was written and recorded and produced in 2020. So I started 
what the work pre-pandemic but then of course the, the lockdown that first major lockdown happened when i was in the thick of making the record and and towards the end of you know finishing the record i had i had an opportunity i said i think i could do one more song finish one more tune i had one more song almost finished and and that was that song so i so i was working on the lyrics and i just got into the concept of you know thinking about childhood when we were back in the 60s looking thinking about our future and flying cars and all of that stuff and look look where we are now with the pandemic and and technology has given us phones instead of flying cars <laughs> so that was it's, it's a humorous look at that that uh, where we've come I was interested listening to don't give up and how it feels the arrangement that that you gave it it's it's almost I don't want to say bouncier, but there's there's more of a brightness to it, con- considering the nature of the song. It's kind of that you know the ori- you know the original the push and pull of optimism and darkness, but then you bring in more of a light. Is how I felt. Was that the direction? Am I interpreting that of how you went with this uh, arrangement? Well, you know, Peter Gabriel's original is much more intimate. That's that's the word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His his version is is just is a much more intimate version. The video's intimate. He's holding on to Kate Bush, mm-hmm. and it's just it's much more inside and, and internal and intimate. Uh, my my version when it, I didn't intend it to be this way at all. It was it was kind of accidental that I started working on it to begin with. Um, but I just kind of kept going with it and kept going with it and and. And as I kept going with it, I, I felt like, okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do this song, I, it's got to be good. And I kept second guessing myself and working on it and working on it. And as it got bigger and bigger, it, the song is less intimate than his version, so it's it's just got a bigger quality to it. But it wasn't intentional. It's not like I was trying to make some big production. It just ended up that way. Yeah, and it, it and I do like how it kind of always becomes celebratory, kind of almost in a gospel sort of way. But that's what where that's the end result there, and I, I do like how that that end result was. And of course. Your daughter's on that. Is on a. If I'm reading the credits right, at least a couple tracks on here. Don't give up. And Wilma Fingadu. Missing any of the others? Is she on any of the other tracks? Uh, World Broken she, too. Yep, she sings on World Broken, and, and my other daughter Ray too. She's on there. Okay, so and, um, how'd you how'd you bring them both on? I mean, what what? How did you th- imagine them to be on particular tracks? Well, first of all, I mean, I I basically gave birth to my own background sense <laughs> all, you know it's all, all I needed to do they they both you know grew up you know hanging out with me in my studio while I was you know doing movie scores and TV scores and, and vocal sessions and stuff so they know how to sing great number one they both are very professional in the studio they've been doing it all their lives they've done sessions they've done all that kind of stuff so they and they've worked with me they do backgrounds they know how to sing harmonies all that stuff so and they don't cost me any money, <laughs> so so it's a natural thing to call them for for ideas and stuff you know that I need. And also, I just love the sound of their voices with mine. I just love that's got that familial quality that like sounds really beautiful to me. And so um, and so with the Peter Gabriel song and Hannah, it was just a natural like I, I thought that the Peter Gabriel's lyric for that song could also work well as a father-daughter conversation. So that made sense to ask Anna to come in and try that. 
And then with the other songs, it's just like on Wilma Fingadu, that song is about my mother and for my mother. So that's their grandmother. So it made sense to have them sing some backgrounds on that. And on World Broken, I just needed to, the vocals to be thicker. And so I just had both of them sing, sing with me on that. One, one of my last questions for you would go to the Beatles and If I Fell. And that's, that's Luke starting off with sounding, singing John Lennon's part. Am I correct on that? That's right. Okay, because you guys, I mean, it sounds just like an, just like the original. Why did you choose that one and to have that as kind of this double collaboration, you and you and Luke like John and Paul? Well, again, it was a kind of an accident. I was working on something else, and I just looked something, the Beatles came over the TV or whatever, and I just remembered how much I loved that song, and and just started working on it and singing it, and uh, I always kind of wanted to do it secretly. And um, and then once I had a track and like a bunch of my own vocals on there and stuff, I thought like, well, what if I get Luke to do the John part? That would be actually really cool. Mm-hmm. And so that was how that happened. And I just I thought it was kind of a cool idea. Last question for you about uh, one more Beatles-related thing. I couldn't help but notice that the second to last track on each album has a Beatles connection between this one and then Run to You on, on Luke's album has Ringo Starr on it. Was that intentional or did that just happen? Uh, I wish I could say it was intentional, but it, <laughs> once again, it's just uh, the universe doing I, things for us. I love that. That's the best when it just it, it all kind of comes together. That's that's great. The kismet on this whole project is awesome. They were great listens, and anyone listening to this interview, I encourage them to give it a listen as well. Dennis intended. From Joseph Williams, best of luck promoting this album. Best of luck with uh, the next round of tour dates from Toto and everything musical in the future. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Good chats today with both Joseph Williams, you just heard, and also Steve Lukather. The solo albums, again, Dennis and Tenet, as just mentioned from Joseph Williams. And I Found the Sun Again from Steve Lukather. Out as of the recording today, February 26th. Give them both a listen. If you like musicianship, if you like Toto, if you like good music, you will enjoy these albums. You can learn more about both via Toto's website, totoofficial.com. Totoofficial.com. Order the albums there as well. And there are also plenty via Toto on social media. Also, Steve Lukather has his own website, Steve Lukather. SteveLukather.com. Get a whole lot of more information there. He's also engaged on social media. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks, as always, to my employer, Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing the facilities to do these interviews. You can listen to and, in some cases, watch these interviews. GreatestHits981.com. You can either at the top of the page under Features, it says Interviews. You can go there. Also, go to our YouTube channel, where... Like I said, you can listen to and in some cases watch our artist interviews by myself and also my co-worker, John Murphy. Also, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast via Apple, Android. It's on a whole lot of other podcast platforms. Subscribe so you get new episodes when they arrive. And rate this preferably higher, which will spread the word around even more about this podcast. Got time for a quick story. I'm Luke Anthony.